Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, this is Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. My name is Matt Staub. Wait, I know. You don't have to say my name. I said my name, and then you can just say this is... <laughs> I guess there's never been an episode intro. Well, I, there was one when you missed, but there's every single episode starts off with you and me. So at this point, it's not like it's a rotating group of podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about this before. Even in our standard intro, it, it uses our name, so... When we introduce ourselves, it's kind of redundant, but that's how we do it. Name repetition is how it's done. <laughs> All right, let's get to our creepy story of the week. It talks about creepy. I and mean, I guess it kind of is, but it's more about... So a lot of businesses collect data from their customers. And it's talking about what these businesses do with the data. And that's this is how it gets into the creepy part is, would people think this is creepy? So I'm sure a lot of people know that businesses sometimes collect data. They sometimes sell it to third parties for whatever reason. And this is all stuff they need to inform the... So if you go to a website and you click down on the privacy policy or the terms of use, this is where you find all that stuff. So I'm sure, what, 98% of people do read these? Yeah. I know before every website I go to, I make sure to read all this just to make sure that everything's covered. It's actually funny how many websites... You'll click on that because I actually click on them just to see. Sure, I do too. Yeah. It's kind of surprising how many are non existent. It's just there. And it looks exactly. Or they'll have some kind of boilerplate that doesn't even make sense. Like there's other companies' names in it and, and it doesn't even apply to like, I've seen that many, many times. Because when you, when you launch a website, it's sometimes the last thing you think of. Yeah. But you know what? I really do think that if people really knew how much they could track, and I think people that are tech savvy already know, but I think some of the common users would be a little creeped out by it. Because what's hard to understand too is that there's a lot of companies that when they buy into ad networks on their site, that they can track you from one site to another. It's not just on the same site too. Like For example, Facebook's a good example. When People put in their Facebook plugins into their sites and so forth. I don't know if they still do this. I know they used to. Is even if you go to a blog that's totally unrelated to Facebook, they can tell that you've been to that. And I even read a story this week where it seemed a little goofy to me, but someone that's basically uh, turned themselves off against Google. And I think she's some kind of uh, journalist. And she was trying to prevent anyone on the internet, meaning Google or Facebook, knowing that she was pregnant. And so she had to tell all her friends and so forth. And she tells her experience of how difficult it was to make sure that no one would mention that she was having a baby because, you know, I think we've been through this too, is that when I was uh, getting engaged, I saw ads for rings for like the longest time, like months afterwards, right? You had the same experience. So that's creepy, right? Yeah. I mean, just a quick tangent on that. I got an email. This is is a year and a half after I've been married, let alone about the engagement ring. I got something about like deals on engagement rings. I'm like, what do you assume? I've already got divorced and found another person <laughs> I want to, want to marry. It's just kind of weird how that stuff works out. But uh, Yeah, they time it like, oh, let's just, let's just follow up with him in a year and a half from now. It'll probably be divorced and ready to get remarried. Yeah, it is kind of creepy if, if we want to keep using the word creepy, how I do a search for something or yeah, a major thing in my life that happens and then all of a sudden all the ads that pop up relate to that. And so it's a little bit intrusive, I suppose. I mean, I never even look at ads or click on them unless it's accidentally. But I can see a lot of people being a little perturbed about this. And I guess the best way to approach it from a business perspective is what we kind of circling back to the beginning is having 
you know, a good policy in place that actually works on the website <laughs> and yeah. just informs people of what the business is using the customer's data for. Yeah. And not all states require privacy policies. Uh, I know California does, and I'm sure eventually all, all the other states will follow. I believe the latest is, is that the FCC hasn't required them yet, but I'll have to double check. But I do know, though, is that if you have one, you have to follow it. And the reason why it's state by state is because not every state has privacy laws. And California is classic to have a pretty robust privacy law section, in their, both in their constitution and in their statutes. So that's something to think about. And so no matter what, put a privacy policy on there. But I'd be careful about just kind of copying and pasting and boilerplating it out because a lot of these boilerplates are very general. And even though you say pretty much we can collect anything you want, you want to prevent any kind of blowback from your customer base, especially if you're online heavy, because some heavy users or super users are going to look into those privacy policies and say, hey, wait a minute, I don't want my information like that being shared or or what have you. Yeah. One of the points we always hammer in is, especially for California, I guess, but it applies really to any state. If you have a policy, you got to follow it. We shouldn't have to tell people that. But when you do a cut and paste, it's easy to not follow it because you don't even know what's even in there. So I guess that's something for people to be aware of. But to me, the bottom line is, if I want to visit a website or if I want to buy a product or what have you, that's going to trump whatever privacy data collection they're going to do. Or at least for me, I don't know. I think the FCC has released some guidelines for privacy policies, but I can't recall whether it's an actual requirement. But I think in, in our practice from day to day, we always require it for our clients when they have any kind of websites because just to be safer than sorry. and especially if you have any kind of uh, interaction with children under the age of 13, uh, any kind of registration, collection of data, there's other requirements beyond that when it comes to handling those kind of data as well, or data. Data, data. I like data. From Star Trek? I, I don't watch Star Trek. Actually, I did, either do I, but I pretend I do. <laughs> In what circles? <laughs> you know, like when I go to a programmer's meetup or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Have to blend in. Uh, first I've heard of that. All right, let's get to our question of the day. Question of the day. How can I make sure my employees don't steal my proprietary info after they leave? And this comes from a telecom company in New York City. New York City. This is unfortunately a reoccurring nightmare for employers over and over again. And sometimes it happens more than one time. And the problem is, is that on one hand, there's some contractual things that you can do. And there's some practical steps security-wise to do. But let's be honest here. If you have an employee that is upset and wants to harm you, because they're an employee, they have access to certain data. And I don't care how you protect it, whether it's physically or electronically or password or whatever, there's always some way, there's always some hole because they're in your system. They're part of your group and they can always do something about that. So first, I would say that it's a very difficult task and no answer is going to be a uh, full solution. To me, it's the same sort of thing as when someone asks, well, how can I prevent my business from being sued? It's like, well, you can. If yeah. someone wants to sue you, they will. It's the same thing with this. Is you know, if someone wants to take your proprietary info that worked for you, they will. Now that if you have an agreement that's signed, you know, that's obviously an important thing. But like at that point it would be breaking the rules, breaching the agreement. But if they want to, then they're probably going to. But there are things you can do. So you mentioned some sort of confidentiality agreement. You know, some other things too is if they were given access, I assume they have some sort of email, you know, maybe cut off 
you know, their email privileges as soon as possible. If they have access to the client database, I said database too. See? <laughs> database. Duh. I just said I like data and then I say database. Well, they're two different words. Data and database are different. Yeah. I forgive you. Well, anyways, the database or database, if they have access to that, cut that off as soon as they're done. Um, basically, any access they have to anything that's on your servers, you know, that's something you can cut off as soon as possible. Let's focus on the confidentiality agreements, etc., other agreements that you may have regarding this. A lot of times employers look at these, okay, this is a way that I can restrict legally my employees from divulging confidential information. And that's true. But don't think of it a way as that, okay, if they do something wrong, then I can go after them and sue them and and get all this money from them. Because most likely, first of all, they don't have the money to go after. And your purpose is is to protect the information itself. So my point is, is that the best repercussion you can have out of these confidentiality agreements is that if, for example, that person goes to a competitor and divulges the proprietary information or starts using it for themselves, that contract is going to give you the ability to walk into a court and possibly get a temporary restraining order and eventually a preliminary injunction in order to protect your information. And that's the value, real value of a confidentiality agreement. Right. I mean, this is good advice. I know you have a lot of restraining orders filed against you on a regular basis. So (laughs) business and personal, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that's why I just stopped signing these NDAs. I hate those things. (laughs) Just refuse to sign. Um, Actually, I do. When sometimes like people don't understand the attorney-client privilege, and sometimes they'll ask you to do that. You know, of course, respectfully, I, I have to kind of explain explain how that right. works. But that's true. Yeah, I've been in that situation as well. But something else I thought of that's good that we haven't mentioned yet is letting your, especially if there's someone that works very heavily with your customers, letting your customers know that this person left. Yeah, good point. Because they might not even know. They just, you know, maybe their point of contact is this employee that left and they're they're just emailing the employee and then they, they have no idea this has even happened and that you know if it goes on for a little bit of time maybe there's a say hey well I I like this employee so I'm just going to stick with them and not the company it's true customers and I think you mentioned vendors too right any kind of other third parties right. that you may work with and I'm sure we mentioned it too but conducting exit interviews and terminating them in a way that is going to minimize blowback in other words if they like you as an employer and it's impossible to prevent that totally but And this is a general answer is that if they like you, they're not going to steal from you. They're not going to damage you and so forth. And so that's why treating people how they deserve to be treated fairly and also with some compassion, even if they did do something wrong, goes a long way in order to protect your business. Yeah. Make the exit as clean as possible. And yeah, the better terms you are on with the person, the less likely they're going to try to take any information. Absolutely. This reminds me of another question that I got this week. But I don't think we have time to cover it. But it has to do with non-competes. And well, I guess I don't think we can cover it. But darn it. Maybe we'll cover it on the Friday show. Yeah. Maybe we can fit that in. All right. Well, I guess that's our show. Unfortunately, (laughs) I wanted to get that question in. I feel so disappointed. I was excited to talk about it. And then I'm like, it's it's kind of not even related to it. It's related to non-competes and not, not confidentiality. So. Well, luckily, this is only episode 38, so we're going to do more episodes after this. Uh, We are? Yeah. (laughs) I think think we'll have time to answer it in a a later episode. But for now... Okay. Well, I'm excited now. Yeah. And if if anyone else has a question, ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com is where you can send those questions in. Or you can visit the website, LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com, fill out the little questionnaire thing on there. Tell us in person, like this happened, send me mail, 
facts, <laughs> whatever. However you want to ask a question is fine. Write something in the sky with a plane. All options are open. We leave everything on the table. All right, well, that's our episode, and have a good day. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.